When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the realms of Middle-earth to the shores of the Undying Lands, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napslog, joined shortly by Alden Diaz, and we are here to dive deep into Rings of Power, Season 1, Episode 5, Parties, directed by Wayne Shea Yip and written by Justin Doble. Choices, choices, choices. Every person, every leader, every ruler, and every head of the pack as big choices in this episode and all of it flowing back into the important question of what is good. How do you decide what is good? The greater good, the small good, good for you, good for others. This is a journey through the light and darkness of the world and each path presents these tough choices. So from Elrond and Prince Durin III, the people of the Southlands, the high people of Numenor and all the way down to the Harfoots, let's talk about what is good we're going to dive on in. Alden, Alden, Alden. This is a wonderful episode mm. because I don't know the answers to what to do in all of these situations. Can't wait and evidently, start. neither do many of these leaders. <laughs> right? Neither do many of these people. I yes. mean, all the way down to the smallest Southlander. Yes. People are having lots of problems. Yes, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I do want to say thanks for listening uh, or watching live yesterday on the YouTube show. We also put it up on the podcast. Uh, you might be listening to this episode a little bit later on, I understand. Uh, during that broadcast, we crossed over the 1,000 subscription mark on YouTube, which uh, sets us up to be a partnered channel. This podcast has been around since 2017, but we set out to try to do something with the YouTube channel, which is harder to do in 2022 than it used to to be uh there's a lot of choices out there we appreciate you watching as i said yesterday i do feel like a local newsman when i say that uh a lot of fun a lot of things to get to uh on this episode and some overall reactions i'll start here Alden. Uh, a second rewatch of this episode partings uh was very valuable for me loved it the first time but i did have a little bit of feel of man it's almost like some I don't know, emotional stunting. Like, I felt this repeated some of the beats of episode four because I felt episode episode four ended with, we're going to war. Now, I didn't think we literally were going to be in war in episode five. I just thought there'd be what I thought would be a little bit more forward momentum. And this episode did present a lot of, uh, we're still gathering, we're still making decisions, and then we're going to move forward. That was my initial reaction. We, we always believe, hey, when you, if you can, if you got the time, watch it a second time. This is why I don't have the philosophy. I don't love uh, reacting. No problem to the people that do. Those are very successful channels. But reacting or rushing, like I used to do at my old jobs, rushing into the studio right after the episode ends to talk about it. Yeah. When you haven't processed it, the second viewing for me, Alden, was uh, very enriching. I think there's a wonderful big giant theme. There's always sub-themes in all these episodes. But the light and the darkness have been at the center of this show because it needs to be. It's a modern myth. It's fantasy. It's all those kind of things. But the way they're playing it, the way they're slicing them, with it's hard to tell. And this episode was literally started with the stranger going, I'm good. I'm paraphrasing, of course, there. And it led to this entire episode about what 
is good. And I am just engaged. I'm excited to discuss with you. Those are my overall thoughts. I'll pitch it to you while I sit over here and try to decide what is good. I'm still trying to process the the news anchor thing that you said because I think of it like a like a, a airline captain. <laughs> we thank you for flying Casterly Talk. Uh, we know you have a lot of options, but no, but really, I completely understand uh, what you're talking about with uh, yeah. In general, in general, in the culture, yeah. I also advocate for like a rewatch or even a revisit or even just yeah. a sit down, even just hit up your friend that's not online yeah. or that you're both choosing to have a one on one about this to kick around your ideas. And mm-hmm. I think that this this show. Um, much like the other show that we cover here on this channel, House of the Dragon, is doing a lot. There's a lot of density. There's a lot of different storylines going on. And so it requires a little bit of engagement from us, which I think is good. And mm-hmm. um, and what is good, you know, being the, the overall idea. I also see things that have been there throughout the show that really come to a head here, particularly with characters like Bronwyn about reconciling with our past. Yep. Um, really, everyone in the Southlands um, has to <laughs> yeah, decide, yeah. are we going to be better or are we not going to be better? And mm, mm. Uh, for those who are watching us weekly uh, and are with us like right on release schedule, that live episode yesterday is a lot funnier because both uh, myself and Nikki accidentally called things yeah. uh, that were going to happen here that we didn't want to happen. Yeah. <laughs> At least me with, with my boy Elrond being tested here. Yes. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. The test. The test of resisting radicalization. Mm. Everybody is asking someone else, whether that's uh, was it Malva asking Sadak Burroughs mm-hmm. like to leave them behind? Yeah, asking him to be ruthless. You've got Gilgalad asking Elrond to betray a friendship, but he's also making his argument. But at the same time, there's a beef underlying his argument. Yeah, and then you've got people, of course, in Numenor that are dealing with this on every conceivable level, from the youngest soldier all the way up to Farazan, who mm-hmm. is like not a great person mm. uh, in a case that was not clear already mm-hmm. his own son is terrified of him he can get a room to clear with a look yeah um, so it was interesting to see that play throughout all the storylines chiefly of course with um theo and waldrig and yeah. and uh rowan i believe is the young man who spoilers rest in peace yeah you know yeah right did we actually we didn't see it is there a body around i missed Nobody. Nobody. Is, is, is Rowan the new Stannis? Did the new Rowan Stannis. live? Go on, do your duty. Yeah, you could st- I'm yeah. still waiting for him to come back. Um, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. Well said, though. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. Like, I just, I, wit- I witnessed this episode and felt pain in every storyline because you can see your Norris and your Arandirs mm. and your, you know, Ellen Deals, like everybody that is f- trying to be forthright. Yeah. And then all these people that are like, hey, why don't you just give in to your worst instinct? Yeah. Why not? And, no, and yeah. that's, you know, that's a morality play, truly. Yeah, truly is, truly is. And I think that's why I was really engaged by this episode, at least in the questions it was asking us. And I love, and we come along here, we talk about House of Dragon, talk about uh, Rings of Power. Uh, you and I talk Star Wars and other spots, but on Force Center, we dig into the themes. And and some of my favorite Force Center discussions with, with Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa are the ones where I'm like, I don't quite know where I stand uh, on the answer. I get the question. But I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure. And I think these shows are art that are communicating ideas. And sometimes they have very clear perspectives. I think the show is a very clear perspective. But there's a lot of moments in this episode where you're kind of ping pong and you're like, oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, but that's yes. a good point. And to, to have this show, again, take this big fantasy, light and dark. Uh, that's not a surprise. That's gonna. We knew that was going to be in this because that's in everything that's a big kind of morality play fantasy. And we want that. But the way it's playing with it, it's fun. So we're having a lot of fun discussing it. I don't know if this works. Hold on, Alden, if this work.
All right, there you go. Okay. That was very, that was, that was immersive. I feel like I'm in morning radio again. Um, <laughs> I also will say this. Before we dive into the themes, let's touch on a little bit on some of the uh, lore stuff here. But I also wanted to point out here, our, our own Mil- Middle Earth lore keeper, keeper um, Rachel Cushing-Levine, is out this week. She's traveling and, and uh, couldn't be on the show. And this is a week where uh, I think we will feel that uh, you and I have... Um, less experience in this world, lifelong fans of, of the world and the movies and the books, all those kind of things. But like mm-hmm. she, she has a, a deeper knowledge and understanding of the lore and the impact and the changes. And, and I think she would agree. I don't want to speak for her, but Hey, the show needs to do what it needs to do uh, and what it wants to do in terms of themes and information. Also, we sometimes don't know what it can do. The big legalities have been talked about a lot, right. but I know, and I don't even know specifically, I'll admit that, I'm not in Lord of the Rings Twitter as much as I am in Star Wars Twitter, and I try to run away from Star Wars Twitter as much as I can. There just there is some lore stuff at play here, uh, and some changes or new angles on it, or additional information that might upset some folks, and you might have some opinions on that. And we want to acknowledge that here. Please feel free to leave a, a, hel- a helpful or uh, you know at least a good comment down below if you're watching it on YouTube or if you're listening on the podcast, call on the Anchor app because there's some uh, some different uh, perhaps different ideas of uh, Gilgalad and the story of Mithril and the, the origins of that and the reasons behind it uh, and all this kind of thing. So we might do a follow-up. Maybe Rachel will come in here and we'll do a follow-up on some of the stuff and what it means. And I, you might have a better understanding than even I do, but I saw a little bit of a fervor in the, in the fandom and I was like, I don't know. I can't engage with it because I don't even know, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because it's almost like, and, and, you know, for those listening and watching for the record, I am not sure what the Mithril difference is. It's our understanding that that is the sticking point. It yeah. seems with a lot of uh, purist and diehard fans of varying mm-hmm. degrees. Um, but what I can say is that I am stunned that that is the sticking point because I love what they did with it so much. But again, that's my point of view. So yeah. like Ken said, just to echo, like, I love, like, if you can hit up the comments right now, whoever you are, the expert, maybe Bill Bro, mm-hmm. Bill Bro Baggins. Bill Bro Baggins, like, yeah, he's our man. If you want to say, like, this is what they did and this is how it's different in the mythology, I'm into that. Like, yeah. I think that's helpful. I, I've said this before. Growing up reading in Marvel, Marvel DC Comics and being a big comics kid forever, my entire mm-hmm. existence, I, I was trained to expect the difference, so it doesn't stun me as much. But I understand, like, of course, like, like our friend Rachel, if if this is, like, tattooed literally on your body it was part of your family it was part of your wedding it was part of everything yeah. I, I completely understand why it's different i just have the perspective of oh you changed it how like i think that yeah. that's interesting look at so. and, and engaging with those changes as they come and, and and seeing how they how they play as an individual uh choice and decision along the way uh i think um i get it yeah and and you know an example i'll, I'll throw out is going back to the star wars world uh, the idea that the Sith had synthetic kyber crystals or synthetic blades. That's why right. their Sith lightsabers were red. That was kind of a Legends thing or expanded universe thing. But along the way, the new Star Wars canon says, no, no, no. They bleed the blades. They throw all their hate, their pain, their suffering into kyber crystals they take from other Jedi, turning them red. And I, for one, was on board with that because that seemed to be very powerful, very intentional. And I liked the other way as well. I was always a fan of that. They're, they're not even real. They have synthetic crystals. But I, I like mm-hmm. that change, but not everyone does. So we understand that there. We just want to acknowledge that up top. Uh, and again, like Alden said, hey, give a wonderful uh, explanation. Um, and and even if you didn't like it, explain why in a uh, constructive way there. Um, uh, I do want to run down some of this stuff. So we got uh, Gilgalad and the story of the Mithril. We got Gilgalad and, and Kellen Brimbor trying to kind of tie this all to the fate of the elves. Uh, and I'm just saying this is just some of the stuff we got in the show, whether you agree with it or not. Here's some of the stuff revealed. 
Uh, and we have to wonder if that is their own belief or they're uh, giving away to the thoughts that, I don't know, maybe Sauron's already in town. I mean, we just don't know. And he's putting some ideas in their head. The stranger, still, uh, we return to him. Still, He still seems pretty nice. But now we have an Icelandic pop band looking for him and his origins are once again front and center and a little dubious. <laughs> Theo has a key. We've got some big Sauron imagery there at the tower and the Southlands call for aid and Numenor shall answer. And also the biggest reveal, I think, Disa wanted a new dining room table and now she has one. So those are yeah. some of the things that we learned in this episode. Also. Yeah, Doran, the best husband <laughs> in Middle Earth. That was just to address that as a as a comedy beat. Like we don't piece out comedy necessarily, <laughs> but I do like to highlight it. My yeah. goodness, I could not. He had me. He had me believing, yeah. um, which of course is the point. Um, yeah. But that reveal of uh, I just hustled it for my wife is so good. Look, I'll, I'll, I was going to hold this for uh, some of our specific uh, conversations. I literally, I, this is, this is, uh, I'm using that term literally, which people can misuse. I, I like use it for comic effect, but I'll, without, without out, out hyperbole, I would take 52 minutes of Duran and Elron just talking. Um, oh, it's, it's gold. the best chemistry in the show so far. Uh, and, and Disa is in there as well. Uh, but uh, man, everything about them uh, is just singing. It's beautiful stuff. And I love their mm-hmm. scenes and uh, shout out to, all the performers behind that. So, Alden, let's dive into the big themes, all right? Let's dive in. Let's go into it because I think this is going to go to a lot of place. I, I know I am starting with this idea of, hey, what is good and what is the right choice? Everyone in this episode, it, it presents something that's true to them. You brought it up too, the, the, the radicalization idea. If there's a question, there's something being asked and it's big, heavy stuff. Uh, but focusing on the start, let's start at least the first scene. This was a great intro, the Harfoots return. I miss them. I miss them. Uh, and Nori and the stranger and this conversation about we go for, migrate from here to here and along the way there's perils. Perils? hundred perils between here and there, says Nori. Things that will make you dead in which the stranger says, I'm peril? I kill, talking about killing the firefly. Uh, no, you're good because you're here to help. That's a powerful start to this episode that is about these big questions. It is a beautiful scene. It's it's a very naturally unfolding evolution of the stranger's language. Mm-hmm. He hasn't he's not suddenly out here giving speeches, but there's uh, the understanding that of course we're doing a lot of time skip, and so they handled that really elegantly about mm-hmm. the rapport that they've built up, her ability to teach him phrases, the fact that he's a quick study mm-hmm. um, is all sort of built in there. But the idea that he's questioning his own nature um, yeah. is so. It's so mythic. It was specifically Lord of the Rings. Everybody sort of does that. And even in like the Jackson movies, like mm-hmm. everybody at that moment has the, well, what am I? Do I really have what it takes? Do I call it doing more harm than good? Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of, you know, we always reference Star Wars. I will reference Star Trek, Picard's famous quote. It's possible to make all the right decisions and still lose. That's not weakness, it's life. And he mm-hmm. does make all the right choices. He does choose friendship in this episode. He does choose to be a protector. He does choose to save lives. Lives that initially, at least a couple of them, did not even want him there. Yeah. Um, and he wins favor. As Nori says, they've never loved an outsider as much as they love you or never yeah. been kind to one as much as they're kind to you. But then he hurts her anyway. Yeah. And he's not, and he can't control that at this point yeah. um, per our knowledge. And so it's like it is possible to be both. And so to ask that question and then to give an answer and then not yank the answer away but throw a wrench yes. I thought was a really um, – really heavy beat for what is the lighter storyline yeah so that was interesting 
Yeah, no, and and, and I, I love that you, you brought some great stuff in there of, of nature. Bronwyn kind of saying later on to, to Arn's here, like, you're, you were right. The whole time, you all were right. We we just are, this is our destiny to be in the darkness. Uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, not a wonderful thing, but it's just a, a wonderful continuation of the of the questions asked in this opening scene. And then later on, yeah, the return with the wolves and everything. Great scene, very force pushy, you know, press R1 on your yeah. controller and you do that with the wolves. But the stranger does something good, but ex- ex- it exposes his darkness, perhaps, or what's in there. And he's asking himself that question up top. Like you said, I'm good, but maybe he knows what his origins are, you know, knows what's inside, whatever the details are, as uh, as I'm calling it, the Icelandic pop band comes along, uh, much like uh, uh, of Monsters uh, and Men, one of my favorite bands, coming along looking for him. Uh, there's yeah. a lot to that. And like you said, uh, uh, does something good, something bad comes out of it. Yeah, and you could make an argument, you know, if we're connecting these storylines, which I think that this show does so well. Um, and, and like, you know, classic uh, original recipe Game of Thrones did that too because it was <laughs> House of the Dragon is so intimate. Now we're back at the show yeah. that's like some of these people might never meet in five seasons, mm, but mm. how can we convey the same ideas? So once we set up that stranger idea and see the payoff, then you, it's like, well, Galadriel hurts Halbrand's feelings. Yeah, Adriel hurts a lot of Numenorean feelings mm. uh, and vice versa. And then you jump over here and Elrond is like, do I also have to do something good and hurt people? Yeah, um, This is a question that shows up through every single one of the storylines. So when you have it here through the smallest lens, um, I think is really, really in line with what I like about Tolkien stuff. What I liked about right. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit is that they both start with the small perspective. And not that yeah. each of these episodes needs to do it and, right, and, right. Not, and not all of them have. But starting here with the song that Poppy's mom used to sing that includes some of the classic Tolkien language, not all yeah. who wander are lost is in there. Um, yeah. That sort of really put you in the mood to absorb the ideas in like an accessible way. Yeah, that song. And I know there's some deeper lore connections too. Again, we're kind of teasing ourselves here of not knowing all the uh, little details here in the lore. But I think that's also, again, this is how we're approaching the show. We're being honest with it. So I, I've already seen some videos out about the, some of the deeper meanings uh, to this to this song, to the, to the text. Uh, I'm going to explore those as well. But you don't even have to dig deep to get the message. And I wrote that down too. Not all that wander uh, or wander are lost. Pretty powerful because that's also about wandering through your own emotions and wandering through your own origins and your own uh, uh, your thoughts on destiny, your thoughts on being good, and and not necessarily I don't know wandering to me. And I absolutely want to know your opinion. When I hear this in this context, wandering just means you don't really know the direction you're heading, but you'll know when you get there. And that does not mean you're lost. I thought that was a pretty powerful line from the song. It really jumped out to me as well. Yeah, it's a quote that I've always loved coming from Tolkien's mythology. It's something that has always stuck out. It has graced many an Instagram caption uh, with Starbucks and fall leaves (laughs) and things. And like, you know, uh, see a Bo Burnham song called White Woman's Instagram for more. Um, But the the, the whole idea of that, like, it's it's Mm. like, it tees up this, this, the differences between like the perspectives, even like Galadriel and Halbrand of, Mm. The like to to wander is not to be lost. I was exiled. You did X number of bad things that you are r- alluding to, mm-hmm. um, which of course you know it's television, so there's going to be a little bit of that serialization. But he, they're having this conversation. It's like, well, are you? Does that mean that you're directionless? Not necessarily. Right. You're in a figuring it out stage, which I think is an important thing for all viewers to to yeah. hear and see, but especially like young people that are going to this hopeful fantasy. It's like that. There's a huge difference. 
between wandering and, and being lost. That's why wanderlust is a word. Yeah. Like that's why it's a concept. It's a completely separate emotion. You're not a failure mm-hmm. because you haven't quite figured it out yet. I mean, and figuring it out sometimes is all you need. Like the stranger yeah. didn't join the Harfoot party uh, and suddenly all their problems were solved and they have this great protector and they're going to get there fine. Yeah. But it was a step. And sometimes a step is, is enough on the day. Step is enough, man. There you go. Put it on a t-shirt. Step is enough. The Put steps it, by Heim. The steps by Heim. A little different kind of steps. But yes, uh, you and I love that band. <laughs> you and I love that. Heim Talk is going to be the next show we do together. Uh, sure. Absolutely one of the best rock bands of all time. <laughs> there I said it. And I'm a rock and roll DJ. Um, it's interesting to go. There's a lot of places to go here, Alden, and, 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 and take it where you want here. But I did want to stop here next on our own path as we wander through this. Uh, this uh, I can't remember if this plays out the next scene or not. I apologize. I don't remember that. But Adar, or I keep saying Adar, Adar, however you want to say it. Good old Uncle Benjamin. Um, this thing that we just got this question put to us of good, I'm good, what is good? Yeah, because you want to help people. That's what makes you good. And Nori's right about that. She's not wrong. But then the, mm-hmm. you got this fallen elf, this dark source. Some people think he's Sauron. We're going to deal with that later. And here he is in a very dramatic way. Hey, Orc, give me, give me your arm. Ah, the sun's going to burn you. I don't want you to feel that. I want, I want my, my people, my Orcs, I want you to have the freedoms I have. I want, to, I want all of us to live in harmony with no sun. I'm here to help because I care. It was just a wonderful thing when we got this episode going, well, what is good? I'm not saying he's good, but I'm just saying he's putting something out there where he's like, well, my heart, my intentions are pure for us. I think you always trace the empathy for the greater good. That's how you kind of make these kind of decisions. But I thought it was a wonderful uh, balance the way this episode started. Yeah, it's a, it's a total, not a bait and switch, but it's like, yeah. a, oh, did you like that idea? Well, how about the worst version of it? Yes, yes, um, yes. And, and, it, and it makes me think of things that like villainous actors, Adam Driver comes to mind first. Adam Driver has said, for me, it's not about good and evil. It's about who thinks they're right. Yeah. And if you have this species of orcs that you have an ambiguous connection to, which we'll, I'm sure we'll explore at some point, they're teeing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, they maybe from Adar's perspective, it's like, well, these elves came and slaughtered all of you. And maybe I, as an ex-elf, it looks like, um, have guilt about that. There's a lot of stuff going on. He's very offended at the insinuation that he is Sauron, right. it appears. So it's like, does he Here's feel... It does he feel like the king of the Island of the misfit toys, Mm. right? Like Mm. Mm -hmm. Sauron's gone. And here I am an elf that betrayed it all. And you left these orcs, your children that you made. So there's a lot going on there of who thinks they're right. And this is more of a good and evil world than the other fantasy property that we love at that present. So Mm -hmm. it's, it will you will fall into a camp at the end of the day. Yeah. Sauron, like we can, we can draw like the, biblical lucifer like oh all he asked for was this and it's like yeah yeah. but at the end of the day you subjugated entire species and you tried to so there is a pale that is crossed but it is interesting to see sort of this idea and then you got someone like farazan who sort of is Mm. somewhere in the middle of all of that where he's playing the game and he's also a father also literally talking to his kid not a dissimilar um dynamic yeah no absolutely we can go to numenor next because it's time to play the game 
Uh, look, uh, yeah, we gotta always have a pro wrestling reference in here somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a lot of you know, a lot of stuff going on in Numenor, as there should be a lot of stuff going on there. It's the center of a lot of story. Um, a lot of things jump out, and, and we can continue the conversation. I was fascinated, love the Farazan kind of reveal, uh, something that was talked about last week about when he's suddenly like, no, no, this, this is a great idea. Yeah, no, absolutely. Your queen has spoken, queen regent has spoken. We're heading, we're heading over there. Uh, to kind of uh, dig into that, I, I love it. But um, even I do want to start on a smaller scale with Isildur. Well, it, you know, it's s- small now, maybe big later for this world. Um, yeah. I love this thing of you in an episode that's asking what is good. He's looking for something that will make him worthy of Numenor and has to find that he something he's willing to sacrifice everything for. And his desires have, I would say, never been evil, but all of his desires have definitely put himself first. Even the getting in trouble, which costs other people around him, powerful lesson. And yeah. how his father, Lindale, saying those men were, were finding ways to serve. Great way to introduce us to a lot of the bigger things at play here in Numenor. Yeah, it's really interesting because Isildur is, much like Elrond and Galadriel, uh, a key player where we know the fate and it informs everything. So it's yes. like, and that's a fate that whether you're a books only, whether you're Peter Jackson only, that is a, that's a sticking point. That's a fixed point in time. Yeah. It will happen. Unless you're the animated um, movie only, like it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, that, it's coming. If you're <laughs> Shadows of Mordor where you got the Celebrimborg ghost, I've yeah. never played it. Um, I heard it was good though. Uh, but the whole idea that he abandons everything gets lobbed at him. Like, mm-hmm. well, why would I help you get this post that I know you'll walk away from later? And it's this idea that plays with our audience expectations. Like, of course, there is someone out there that this is their first exposure to this character, sure. and that works too. And I would imagine, you know, you have to take yourself out of your own perspective. I would imagine that it's a very like Luke Skywalker type character, very classic, very King Arthur. Like, yeah. I will have my moment. And that's true. But with the knowledge of, when he finally does commit mm. and wins and wins on behalf of his father and his people and everything, what he will abandon is like the final abandonment is the, is yeah. the doom. Of it's the doom. Yeah. And that, that trait being here in really small ways, Oh, sealed door. You can't, couldn't even get into the sea guard. Like it's, it's really like you, you messed up your job interview, <laughs> but how that stacks and how that changes and how that yeah. breeds something else. And when you combine that tendency to walk away when things get hard yeah, with this, I need significance. Yes. That is a bad thing. And that's why an Ellen deal can feel this. He will never know, of course, what will come, but mm-hmm. Ellen, that's why Ellen deals like you save that guy's life. You're in, however, you're sweeping. Yeah. Like you, yeah, yeah. you do not get to skip and yeah. he, he can see his son's better nature. Um, but also his worst nature. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying of, of the, the, that through line there, and 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 the running away, and and then the search for significance is something that's uh, pretty powerful because it's in something in all of us. But how you mm-hmm. get there is important. But I think just as important is you're right when you get there and you reach some sort of significance. What do you do after? It's always about your next choice. It's not just about fate and destiny taking you to some title you've earned or deserved. It's how you continue to to live up to that because it's all about these choices. So many choices in this episode. And from there, uh, and I just, I, I've been a, a fan of uh, uh, of uh, Lindell uh, in just the way they've been presenting him in the show. Uh, yeah. Just, it's working for me um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, I just like his energy and like the way he's being presented as this uh, father with some wisdom and a lot on his shoulders there. So that's working for me. Uh, where do you want, do you want to stay in Numenor? We got a lot in Numenor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Numenor has got so many, like, it's all one story, but there's there's the father and son of Farazan and Kemen. Yeah. There's uh, the greatest 
random, uh, not random, but the greatest like sudden training scene since Arya and Brienne, <laughs> Love that. Um, which comes in yep. Galadriel versus like seven people, um, yep. which was a lot of fun. So yeah, there's plenty to dig in. Yeah, uh, w- the the big one is um, again there's choices all the way through, and I, and this is one of the only episodes where I'm kind of found myself breaking it up by location or character and just looking at. Uh, Again, a lot yeah. of themes, and you've already brought a, a lot of the themes into it, but all of it fueling back into this big topic sentence of uh, fueling the topic sentence discussion, I should say, of of what is good as it flows back up to it. Uh, Muriel and her father, Tar uh, Palantir, uh, you know, her kind of saying, it kind of ends with that big beat of, hey, hey, we're doing kind of what you wanted, right? You want to restore this connection and <laughs> the kingdom is in danger. Don't do this. Uh, and, and then that combined, and I don't know what you felt about this, I loved... Uh, uh, Aryan, uh, the the daughter here, yeah. this the show only creation, representing something that we might view as uh, being tied to traditions, isolationism, anything you want. She kind of starts this episode of like, no, we can't go. You got to tell your dad this is wrong, and uh, you can view it as well. That's not helping others. But the switch that kind of emerges, especially with Farazan a little later on. Again, I don't want to say right or wrong, but it it it's it, it shown her in a different light for me. How'd you like her place in this story and the lessons? It was really interesting because it was uh, not that something earns its merits just because you didn't expect it, but it was a shock to me when she had that point of view mm-hmm. um, because it contrasts not just with the sealed door, but also with her father. Yeah. Which she has a great respect for a great relationship with who showed nothing but pride when she got into this guild. And so it's like, what is her perspective? But where she comes in as a middle um, is that she's not a elf hating Numenorean who doesn't want to go. Right, right. She's motivated by fear. And fear of losing family. And that's why a seal door can walk away in armor and smile at her. And she just looks terrified and concerned. Mm. And the fear aspect is what people like Farazan prey on. It's, yeah. it's a scale. There's people that are all the way in on uh, the selfishness. But then there are the people that are in enough that selfish people can prey on them. Yeah. And that's where Aarian is right now in terms of like, well, it's like, I, I, I love my family. I yeah. get the helping, but at the same time, is this good for society? She's clearly a thinker. She is a builder. A builder, that creator. Her identity, identity is like, is mm-hmm. this going to uh, uh, destroy rather than build? Yeah. So it's an interesting thing there that that is sort of like in all the stories. The Harfoots are, their stranger stuff is motivated by fear entirely. Yeah. The Southlander is motivated by fear entirely. So No, that's a great point, too, of, uh, you know, because, you know, she is, uh, it isn't, she isn't like, she doesn't have some vision she's sharing, right? She doesn't have, mm-hmm. and, and even uh, Muriel's father, has, there's a little bit of that going on. This is this is what we thought. Galadriel shows up and this is the beginning. And, and you know, you might feel you know the end, but how can you avoid that? How can you make changes along the way? I think it's a little bit of what's going on with Muriel. And I think she she absolutely feels she's making the right decisions. Because I think on the surface, this is the right decision. How, you you want to help others. We're going to go help others. But uh, yeah. how you do that and, and the relation to it, and yeah, fear driving a lot of it for Ariane is... Uh, is a very interesting perspective, and I love that you tied it into Farazan because, man, that was one of my favorite scenes. I, I, this is one of those guys that, you know, I, I'm not rooting for him at all, um, but I really love having him around because he is not overtly evil. He's right no. there, as he says. I'm riding the tide. You got to know how to do that. You know what? I'll say that's great if you want to get promoted to the office. I don't think he's wrong there, but it was downright diabolical in its own way. Yeah, it's like, Oh, yeah, I did support the public uh, rally and cry to go help people because when those people are helped, yeah. they will be able to do and <laughs> tributes, gifts, 
a trade, this, yeah. that, like he's, he, he thinks of Halbrand. Yeah. He thinks of Halbrand as a future stooge, essentially. Yeah. Um, a, a future middle management guy across the ocean that will be able to help him and help his family and help his, yeah. mostly him, but you know, Numenor. But if you feel you are the best representative of your own people, then it becomes very selfish. Like he's not coming at this from a health Numenor place. He's coming at it from a health Farazan place. Yeah. Um, and he, in the, you know, in the previous episode, he cites um, Elros, you know, Tar, Tar Minotaur, who's yeah. Elrond's brother. And we see Elrond as this great unifier. And this guy is invoking his family for the, the inverse. Like he's a yeah. really manipulative, um, gray character, which yeah. this world does not have a lot of. No, no. And it's, and it's played, uh, you know, again, y- you can hear some of it and believe it. I- I'm always, um, and we just saw this, uh, not to spoil anything, but for the, you know, looking in the Andor series where there's, there's this uh, one character, Cyril Karn, that every, almost every word he uses are words that have been used by heroes. And yet you need to follow it. I always say follow the empathy and follow to see the end of it. And Farazan's one of those guys. I mean, I, I go to war for Numenor. That sounds great. Okay, cool. Yeah, protect us. Uh, expand the reach. But trailing it, uh, following that trail to the center of what he's saying, like you said, uh, done for himself. It becomes very clear. There's no secrets at this point with that character. You get what's going on. Now to see, I'm so interested in an episode that's asking what is good. A, a character like him, much like what maybe Adar did to to us, is is presenting to you this like, cool, you think you know what's good is, but what do you do here? Is it for you or the greater good? Where is it? And it's a little murky and a little muddy. And I, I just love it in a show that's dealing with light and darkness. Yeah, yeah, it's important to show because if this is going to be this transition period, if this second age is is all the groundwork for what will happen later for mm. a, a big villain return and everything, there has to be people that facilitate that knowingly, unknowingly, that think they have what it takes to facilitate it. Even you know, small guys like Waldrick that are, yeah. why don't we just go and bend the knee to whoever this is? And it's like, you are just so out of your depth, yeah. but you're exactly what evil needs. Yes. You are the types of people. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to look at it. You're exactly what evil needs. Um, <laughs> I don't want to take it to real world, but like even, even talking about uh, space fantasies on YouTube, there's uh, there's some good thoughts. There's some bad thoughts. And it's amazing in the middle are a lot of folks that are gravitating or pulled in easily by the bad thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. by the bad analysis. Not, I'm not just talking about opinions about what do you like things, but the people selling absolutely horrendous evil agendas. And it's amazing the people that will bend the knee to that who I think generally have good intentions. Waldrig's been revealed as kind of a, a darker-themed uh, uh, character in a way, you know? Some of his beliefs, mm-hmm. his scarring, his love of Sauron, I, you know, that, that, that coats him as bad a little bit. But he's also just an innkeeper, a, bar ta- a barkeeper, trying to, you know, g- keep us all safe. And this is my thoughts on it. And to have him bend the knee so easily and so pathetically. So yeah. pathetically. I really yeah. love that moment. Love that scene. Especially it was a great scene. Stuff. Yeah. Great scene. And I, I, you know, our live episode, I alluded to it and, and our friend, Nikki, <laughs> it was like, I think that this guy is going to try to try to capitulate to Adar yeah. and get beheaded. Not exactly what happened, but really, really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually worse and more yeah. heinous. Um, it's like you, what does Adar say? Like only blood combined. Like, yeah. which, which to me is like dark elf or, don't just talk about it. Be about it. Like you, 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 you really <laughs> don't, need don't to, just tweet it. Be it. Yeah, exactly. Just bring it, man. Like, what do you really believe this? Cause I do look yeah. at what I've done. Look at what I am. 
Yeah. And we are not the same just because you show up and say that once men fought with us. Like, that's the thing is that they will never. And again, not to take it to real world, but writing that line, like you don't betraying your own. You don't get to just be in. They don't, they will never see you as, yeah. as them. Yeah. They'll never get in. Yeah. Um, that's part of and you can, that's, that's a hopeless pursuit. Hopeless pursuit indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it ties to a lot of stuff going on at the tower, but we'll get to that in a second. A lot of stuff going on, Halbrand and uh, Galadriel. I love their relationship, too. I think there's a good chemistry there as well. Uh, nothing can capture Elrond and Durin for me right now, so I have to be honest about that, but I do love the stuff going on there. Especially, I want to start with Halbrand. Um, it's so interesting. I was going to say, uh, the odds changed a little bit for those betting in Laughlin or Reno uh, or Atlantic City, uh, about uh, who is Sauron. I'm still putting a lot of chips on Halbron, Halbrand, but I might take a couple off after this episode. There was something at play here. You've, you've got the Witch King. And again, we're not about predictions, and you know we have fun with them, but we don't hold to them. He keeps, Halbrand keeps appearing to be bad, but is he good? And how do you trace it? And how do you get the center? And a lot of it has to do with him afraid of what he did. And is he telling all the truth about his story? This is all very intentional. This is all very intentional by the storytellers to make you wonder. And I've been so on like, oh, it's just very clear. He's sorrowed. It's very clear. And I am am 10% less sure about that after this episode. I would agree, and I, I was not even a Halbron Sauron truther, but like the I, <laughs> I was, was thinking, Let I was thinking you. about people. Well, I got a pamphlet here. You want you want to read the pamphlet? <laughs> so Halbron is a Southlander, and if you look at his necklace, yeah, a red circle around it and everything, <laughs> laser eyes. Yeah, but the, the whole idea of of Halbron Sauron, even as somebody that like wasn't predicting that, mm-hmm. I also have analyzed it that way, and and it was almost like there are two moments: the thinking Adar Sauron with the Waldrick. Mm-hmm. And then the throws down his family pendant and then comes back for it. That was a fake out that you don't really see in these yeah. high fantasy things. That was like modern in a good way. Like, ah, we got you. Yep, yep, and yep. at that moment, when he threw it down, I was like, oh, he's going to stay here on Numenor. He's going to be with Farazan and they're going to get in each other's ears. Right, and right, then right. What you know starts. And then he left. He, he left. armored up and he left. And I was like, oh. Very interesting. Yeah, because and that yeah. was, you know, yeah, he so, is he, he's a focal point of the rousing ending of the very wonderful ending. Looks great in his armor. He's got some skills. I've never seen a Smith apprentice do that with sort. Yeah, no, and because you know, Halbrand and Godrill have this great scene. It's a great scene. It's one of my favorites of the show so far. And, and them kind of, they're both right using each other, right? And and then it's, so it's like, well, which one is good? But I I really uh, uh, believed him. And again, maybe I'm falling for it. Maybe I maybe I am now going to bend the knee, Alden. I don't know. I'm when he says, "After I begged you to let me be," and I just kind of thought of like, I think he's telling the truth. I might be wrong. I'm not even. This is you know, predictions can change week to week. I just think this is what they're playing with the storytellers, and that was one of the moments where I was like, because I think he's Sauron. I've been seeing like you kind of touched on. I've been everything, every step he takes. But like, well, that's just like Sauron. Like I hang out with him at a Wendy's. I don't know. But <laughs> I begged and I begged you to let me be. I was like, I think that guy's, I think he's telling the truth right there. And that might to me yeah. mean he's not looking for what we think he might be getting, trying to get. That's the thing. Like we're like Sauron the deceiver. And so like that's all there. And then we know that his human form, the Lord of Gifts. And it's like, <laughs> well, now he's he's gifting swords. Yes. And he's yes. doing this, this, that. He's like showing off his new little things. And it's like, so there's all that, but it, it's totally playing with us. And that conversation, though, is where truth really 
starts to bubble to the surface, even not in totality because we don't get his whole backstory. But this show, yeah. on a few different instances, thank goodness, uh, goes against what we expect with TV characters. Mm. Um, there's mm. a few instances of like like Elrond and Durin, like uh, Elrond, just talk to him. And then he does. Yes, and yeah. then Theo, it's like, oh, stop hiding this sword. And then he shows Arnold. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and then here, it's the come on like Galadriel you cannot throw the well actually you used me that was the only time I've ever been frustrated with her mm. thus far in this show yeah okay. and I was supposed to be because then she shows yeah. up and is like by the way I own that that was not fair yeah and finally finally got to the I cannot stop yeah. moment which was I know there's been varying takes on this portrayal of her but to me the I cannot stop is a, is a very compelling starting point for someone who will eventually be entirely removed. Mm. And, mm. and you know, with the knowledge of whether it's Book Galadriel or Kate Blanchett, yeah. um, we all want to always think about Kate Blanchett. That's a very reasonable That's uh, fair. way to, to live. That's uh, fair. Why would she be the Lady of Lorien and go away after all this? That's why. And so that sort of yeah. finally, that sort of, not the, finally connected, but like in yeah. a, Okay, you finally told some truth. You've gotten there only briefly with Muriel and with Elrond. Elrond saying, what about what's in here? Mm-hmm. Then with Muriel, that there is a tempest in me. This yeah. finally got rid of the poetry. Yeah. And was like, I'm in pain. Like, I'm in pain. Well, I look, you, why, do, why do you keep fighting? Because I cannot stop. Great exchange, right? Very mythic. Loved it. Uh, over the top in the most wonderful ways. But the follow-up here, and I didn't write down all the quotes. I just summed it up there. But just the fact that she's like, you know, my, my unit mutinied, they left, my friend, and my friends can't tell the difference. I thought that was one of the most real moments with this character so far. Uh, and again, I don't know all the answers. The, the themes, I'm not looking at the themes completely at a, at a detached intellectual level. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as I always do when I watch these kind of shows and movies. I'm there on the ground with them wondering how this applies to my own life. And I just feel Galadriel in this moment. I, my pursuit is a good one. My pursuit is the question of what is good. You want to help others. This helps others, this pursuit of the ultimate evil. But in, in doing so, or how I do it, or how I approach it in this desire, this vengeance maybe, wherever we look at it, they can't tell the difference anymore. That's something you got to recognize, and it's something you got to correct, deal with, process, even if you're going to go forward in the same kind of direction, asking yourself how and why. Yeah, and we're also building that into a you know again it is television so it's like where who knows what yeah. when you look at the way Gilgalad is and what he says later on to Elrond when he's talking about the tree and everything that they you know precious few know this but we actually started to see some of this right before we sent her off which is different than the context that we had yeah where we thought it was like a, oh no I made a mistake no he knew he knew this corruption yeah. was happening and then you yeah. look at this villain Adar who's got an elvish name elvish ears it's like is is the Adar problem, what they're afraid of with her. Yeah. Is that the end point of what Gilgalad has seen? Because with a character like that, with characters like Eladriel says that can't tell the difference, mm-hmm. it's 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 hard to endear them at all to the audience. For example, when the dinner scene starts and Doran and Gilgalad are trading barbs, uh, and Doran absolutely wins because he's great at this. Um, <laughs> he is. It is you hate Gilgalad in that moment because he's being so condescending. Yes. He's yes. trying to cause a rift. Even Celebrimbor, who I got issues with, is more reasonable than Gilgalad in that scene. You got heat but with Celebrimbor? So do I. I do have heat with Kel- big heat with Celebrimbor. I don't, I, don't, I don't like your tone, man. You're always talking about people's fathers and trying to manipulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Gilgalad, 
does that like you addressed earlier uh it's, it's not a bad point it's yeah. your delivery is terrible but what yeah. you're saying like if what you're saying is true consequences are pretty dire and yeah. something must be done but at the same time only elrond can be straight up with another person and another mm-hmm. people Gilgalad yeah. doesn't have the integrity to go to Durin the third and talk about this mm-hmm. and that's a big problem is who has integrity is a big thing throughout and that's yeah. That's what separates, like, when you think Theo might falter, Waldrick's calling out to him. Theo chooses yeah. integrity, and that's why I love what Arandir saying, it took mm. me 200 years to build up bravery, and you did it in 14. Yeah. Um, it was a beautiful little moment, too. Uh, I love that moment, too. Uh, we can come back to a lot of the stuff going on in Linden, but if you want to either go on the road with the Harfoots or up in that tower, your choice, Alden, because both have uh, delicious theme work, uh, and including, and I love what you pointed out, I had that thought, too, with Theo. I was like, just show him the damn sword. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, you get to that point in TV. It's just a thing. We're so trained yes. Yes. To, to be strung along. I think all of us growing up, uh, with network television uh, sort of has built that into our minds, especially in the 22 episode format that we mm-hmm. all like know the iconic shows to have had. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, to be here and people are just like being honest. It's a mm-hmm. great thing to see. Um, I, yeah, let's stick there because I, I think that yeah, yeah. this, the first couple's argument that we got between Aaron Deer and Bronwyn is, is full of, of yeah. richness, but she's never not sympathetic. Because, again, it's coming from a place of not fear, like, I'm afraid of X. Like, she's not fearful prejudice like some people are here. But she's she's fearful of herself and of her own people. And she already kind of had that guilt when, in episode one, when they talked about the village that she's from. Yeah. And now it's all coming to a head. And it's Arundir that's, like, he's talking about hope. Which you know we'll talk about hope again with Gilgalad because he has a beautiful, beautiful moment. I, I, about hope. I, yeah, I wrote all I wrote all that quote down. It was great. Yeah, or <laughs> just beautiful writing. But then, yeah, th- this moment with Arundir sort of is highlighting and underlining that theme where Arundir's like, "There's got to be a way." Well, do you know it? I don't know it, but there has to be. Yeah, all That's that what separates heroes from everyone else. All that, uh, all that uh, wander are not lost. I think that's uh, mm-hmm. that moment there. No, I love this conversation. We're kind of jumping. To the end of the of the conversation, I guess, uh, or the end beat there at the stuff of the tower, because there's a lot of this like, uh, hey, we, to, Bron- Bronwyn says, together we can survive this. And Waldrick's like, follow me, and together we will. We have those kind of things there. And uh, <laughs> I also wrote down, uh, you are Sauron, are you not? Great moment. Oops, I may, uh, to, to quote uh, uh, Joe Bluth, I think I made a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> Love all that stuff. But the Bronwyn moment was also very real. It's this moment of despair. Uh, she simply believes that their destiny is darkness. She says that. It's how, maybe it's how we survive. Perhaps it's who we are. And what I love about this, you talk about fear. This is like this personal fear, uh, Alden, and, and how this, this this is our own lives. And this is what I want these shows to do. I want to I want to know the story of the elves and the dragons and the wizards and the Balrogs. I want all that. I want to know all that. And I want to engage with it on that surface level. But I also want to take this home with me. 
And Bronwyn, at the beginning of this episode, or even the beginning of the season, she is good-hearted. She is strong. She's steadfast. She's stalwart. She's all these wonderful, strong words there. And she starts this episode going, no, we can do it. Like, it's tough, but we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And don't we all have those moments in life where we're like, we can do this. And then you wake up one day and go, I cannot defeat who I am. And who I am pulls me away from this. Maybe it's not worth it. And maybe I'm just, I am, this is what I am. I'm lazy. I'm ineffectual. I'm all these, I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And you start to believe it. And that's that fear that takes over. And I thought this was a very real moment. Absolutely uplifting and inspiring by going into that darkness, touching the darkness to hopefully find the light. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that's what, you know, to connect it to Theo as well. Like what he presents to Arundir is his experience, you know, only being 14, but still like the whispers, the knives that were too sharp and everything. And Arundir is like, yeah, we oh, did. I love that. He's like, I, we, I own that we observed your darkness and I own that we observed what we felt were the worst instincts and we observed you and policed you and were unfair to you. But at the same time, I, saw individuals, mm-hmm. not a blanket statement collective. Yeah. And he, he gives that to both the mother and the son here. He's giving them the perspective of like, yeah, you're not wrong. That's why this tower is here. Look, we got a carving up here. Like it, you guys are not wrong, but why should that define you? And that's so classic, mm. um, especially for this franchise in good and bad ways. Um, like that's the whole point of like hobbits being some of the main characters is yeah, you're not supposed to be adventurers. You yeah. don't have what it takes. You're not the strongest. You can't fight. And you could list out all these things of why you should not be qualified. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything because it's about individuals. Yeah. It's about like personal stakes. Like Theo, you proved that you were above the the dark men of the first age with by not going, by yeah. staying. You did that. And and I think that they needed to hear how they could be different instead of hearing how they could be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly highlighting what is there. This it's, it's whether you want to just boil it down to glass half full glass, half empty. That's aren't there in this moment, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Half left, half stayed. I, I wrote down this thing too, of save what we love, not fight what we hate. Hey, we've heard mm-hmm. that before. Except there's yeah. lightsabers around. Uh, I think that's very valuable. All of it's running through there. I don't know. And there's sometimes, again, all who wander are not lost. Arndir does not have the answers. Uh, he, we'll train to fire as many bows as we can. Don't be afraid of that string. That's all we can do right now. We don't have the answer right now. I think of Theoden. What can uh, you know? What can men do against all this uh, hate, all this stuff? Ride out with me, Aragorn says. You know, ride out mm-hmm. with me. We'll see what happens when we get beyond that door. The point is we do. And I, I think that's what comes, what emerges. The answer, the tower, possibly being used as a weapon, what we'll see. I love that moment. They do find the answer because they simply, as you said earlier, took the steps towards something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could not have said that better. It's it's that right out with me moment is the ethos of like this entire thing. Like, yeah, evil's not going to stop. And that's something that Gilgalad even highlights when he talks about the natures of good and evil that they believe are imbued into Mithril is like, yeah, yeah it's got the such and such and such of goodness. But also the like the strength and the resilience of evil. I might have the words wrong. Strength and yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, resolve something like that. But Gilgalad is making that point. Like evil does not stop. It's not gonna. It's it's not gonna bend for you. No. Uh, and you can capitulate. You can run, or you can stand because standing is right. And that's something that Arundir. You can tell he's carrying that from mm-hmm. like the Watch Warden who like refused to cut down the tree and stuff like that. Like, because Mm. it, Mm. he's like, this tree's been here and it deserves a chance. And um, Mm. not that Arundir thinks of Bronwyn like a tree. 
No. I don't think that would go well um, <laughs> in their flirtations, but yeah, it, it's, it's a very <laughs> yeah. powerful and compelling and, and hopeful. Everything in this episode is extremely hopeful, even when it gets grim. And no, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is uh, my, my word of the month for, you know, house of the dragon and, or now this episode is a little somber. There's some somber mm-hmm. stuff going through there, but it always sin- seems to end towards hope, which we'll talk about in a second. It's always kind of there. So uh, powerful stuff. I'm looking forward to, and again, when I said up top is this episode kind of had some what I thought was a repeated emotional beats from some episode four. I, I stand by that in a way, but I, I think the second viewing um, separate the episodes a lot for me. But I am so excited for that fight at that tower. I've, I've got like two towers energy for that fight. With that, how many how many days? No, probably hours. Uh, I can't wait to see what goes on here. It's very Lord of the Ringsy, and I think I've been uh, not missing it in the show. I've just been waiting for it to emerge to this level. Yeah, so far it's been like a small skirmish here. We'll fight yeah. one troll. We'll run through the forest. Like Some wolves, it's, yeah. it's building, but this is the, like you said, Helm's Deep. Like there's a place to defend. They are all coming. We're getting a march. The torches, it's on. <laughs> a march is um, happening. Those and like, orcs. Know, what is the whole, what What realization did they, are they going to bring the tower down? And the, there is no tower to take over. Like who knows? Yeah. But But it feels like inspiration struck. In some way, it does, and we got that key. We do we need to destroy that key because I, I this is my mindset. I, I don't know how this attaches to themes, the episode, or the lore. I'm like, look, you got this sword. I know it's probably bad. Can we use it to our advantage? <laughs> what can we do? I know, Ken, I know they want it. Not a lot like Boromir right now, Ken. I do, right? Not a lot like Boromir. I'm give, just saying. give it to Gondor. Give it to Gondor. <laughs> we will we do awesome it. stuff with it. Yeah, see, no, it, it's true. Yeah, no, the darkness and the light sometimes one and the same. There, uh, well, that's why we're men. That's why we're. That's, that's why we're always. That's right. Always an issue that's in every right. fantasy setting. We, we are always as we should be. As we should be <laughs> on the road with the Harfoots, going back in there. Uh, as we set up top, the path ahead fraught with perils. That starts the episode. We got the great song when and along the way. But you mentioned it. I, I wanted to highlight this. Uh, good to have uh, you know Sadak Burrows back, Lenny Henry. Uh, Malva asked Sadak the important question uh, about what is good, uh, but also what is uh, what helps others, what truly helps uh, people. Because uh, she just straight up suggests Nori and House Brandyfoot leaving them behind, which I I had already thought that it happened. You know, I was like, they're way back. Okay, they're way back. All right, they caught up or whatever the details are. I, I really don't care. But when she was yeah. like, yeah, we we de-wheel them. I'm like, damn. <laughs> The, the Harfoots go hard, man. They're just, yeah, your wheels off. Um, but uh, she's talking about the woods and urban, this bad, all that kind of stuff. But I love her question. And, and, and again, is it right? Was it right to think this? I don't know if it's right to think of it. Maybe it's not right. Maybe it's not wrong to ask it. Uh, what's it going to take? Make a widow of someone or an orphan? What, what, weigh it out. And every, every leader in this episode is being asked to weigh something out. Go to the many, go to the few, all these kind of big fantasy questions. I love that moment. And in that moment, Alden, I don't have the answer for her. In the moment, I don't know. I don't want to leave them behind. I think that's harsh. But does leaving them behind save us? I don't know. So like you said, we have to go to the core of it, to the fear. Does fear guide? Does empathy guide? And I thought it was a powerful moment for those little Harfoots. It is, especially coming off of that beautiful moment of we wait for you, where we put into yeah. our history, into our shared communal the war yeah what not only that we miss you and love you but what happened to you mm-hmm. and my thought for her in that moment was i felt like i was a care i was a hard foot in that moment saying and what are you going to write abandonment 
yeah betrayal yeah. like what will you what what how will you justify this to babies when you are saying the story later yeah like it's it's you know you you have to reconcile and that's throughout all the things like with the past but also thinking about like that we will be the past yeah. one day and and what are they going to say i mean that's something that coincidentally was a huge point in house of the dragon at this moment like yeah. what are they going to say about me from 500 years from now lord strong <laughs> i don't know my lord take a bath take um a bath. but <laughs> that moment of of realizing that sadak is i felt like he was having similar thoughts as the keeper of the histories yeah yeah, no, the, the Harfoots are really interesting to me, uh, more than I expected. The whole, you know, nobody goes off trail, nobody walks alone, meaning we we stay together and we'd survive, but don't you change and don't you take risks. Reminds me of my upbringing in the 80s. My mom has so much fear that I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things and probably was harmed for it in some ways. Uh, not to get it too personal, but I, 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 I'm fascinated by them because I think they're going to have a change. I think Nori could represent, and Poppy, uh, this future, a new generation looking at things differently. They brought in this outsider who's now more beloved than any other outsider, maybe the history of the Harfoots, right? Uh, and we'll see where that goes. It doesn't necessarily mean it ends well. Uh, going to your Picard uh, quote, which is apparently from something called Star Trek. Star Trek? Star Trek. Okay, so they Trek around. They don't war around the stars. Got it, got it, got it. No, no, they've never fought. They just talk. Never, oh, they, yeah. okay. Phasers don't stun. Phasers don't stun. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, I, I, I am. I don't have all, all the pitch perfect analysis of this. All day. I just really love this scene. It was really, really important. And I'm just wondering, is Sadek uh, going to lead some sort of change? Right? Not whether they join the bigger fight or not, or whatever. I don't know. But what are they going to do here? It's a fascinating sub story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to not think of them sometimes as the progenitors of the hobbits and like being the proto hobbits and yeah. what's going and is nori like our analog for frodo and stuff and like there's those parallels of course but it's sure. like with them being nomadic and having this lifestyle you gotta wonder like season five this is my wild card season five prediction last nori scene she's like this is hobbiton boom like we're no we don't run anymore like yeah, we yeah. you want to stick together then we really will no more yeah. no more threats of wheels no more threats of, yeah. of change and wolves like we can have this and and there, there's still that lingering like don't do anything nuts or weird that yeah. hobbits have you know bilbo went on an adventure and it's a scandal <laughs> but the, the the change from constantly fearing of being yeah. left behind to having a neighbor yeah um is is a change that i think nori could definitely bring about so i'm both serious about that prediction and also kind of joking but i do think yeah. that's the thematics there yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I remember we, uh, you know, all through Game of Thrones, we kept joking of like, is this going to end with someone writing a book about it? It kind of does. It kind of does. <laughs> yeah. Kind of does. Uh, Jim Broadbent's character uh, 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 writing a book there. But um, yeah, there's something about that. I had that thought too of they're so nomadic and they're nomadic because they kind of have to survive that way. And this idea that they might land and, uh, you know, start digging and digging some holes and stick around. Could be pretty powerful, but uh, we'll see along the way. I also have, you know, again, who is the stranger? We could talk about that here right now, Alden, uh, who who it might be. But I keep thinking, uh, you know, if all roads lead to one final conflict, the Harfoots showing up with a powerful stranger at their side could be key to the story there. I'm a little bit joking, but kind of got of tracks in some ways. Yeah, he has the potential for so much greatness and so yeah. much not greatness um that we've seen illustrated here uh the ability now that we know like very firmly now it feels like i'm going to talk about avatar the last airbender to mm. wield fire to wield wind to wield yeah. now ice and water like 
he's he's of this earth and like of mm-hmm. course like in a smart aleck way i want to be like see i told you he was tom bombadil but like i really don't know, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah if if we have to do if we take out gandalf and radagast and saruman and everyone else blue wizards and the, and yeah yeah who's sauron game mm. this episode maybe cranked up stranger a little bit when it cranked mm. run down a little bit okay but okay. i don't think that sauron is how you tell the story of goodness and so i think that mm, thematically mm, yeah. he's now firmly separated and now i'm firmly in wizard or something new territory or tom yeah or tom tom, tom Bombadil. yeah no i know blue wizards are real popular a lot of people can point point to lore things uh for some say blue wizards or against something like gandalf or saruman uh, you know i i get that and that's a lot based on lore but yeah i'm fascinated i'm fascinated about this and and um yeah, without uh, digging too deep into lore of it, uh, with this, uh, what I keep calling the Icelandic pop band showing up here looking for him, what, what, what would you make of all that? It's interesting to think about the the way that this show has leaned into not all is what it seems, which is such a classic thing. Mm-hmm. So where you see them and it's like, well, they're evil. But then at the same time, it's like, well, are they? Because um, yeah. we've seen the, the whole point of this Sauron mystery and of the Sauron character, especially in the Second Age, is the deceit and is the being beautiful. We've seen people like Gilgalad and Celebrimbor, who are like these like supposed paragons of this beautiful, wonderful race and what they're able to do. So yeah. then you show me these creeps, and it's almost <laughs> like the show has trained me to think like, and they are really creepy. Um, <laughs> the show has trained me to think like, okay, you're creeps, but I shouldn't judge you. <laughs> Maybe you're looking for him because you're like. Hey, welcome to new wizard initiation. We're <laughs> great. We're good people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I be helped if I have like kind of freaky uh, eyes? Come on, don't judge me. No, yes, judge me. looking like an ambiguously magical M M&M and M is yeah. not your fault. That, yeah, that's your fault <laughs> so. for judging me, man. Yeah, I, I also loved it. There was uh, there was something I don't I don't say inherently funny about it. Like I'm mocking it, but it was, I really like to see it. I think you got one's kind of holding the the little plate, the shield with the symbol on it that he's been drawing. Mm-hmm. I just got a. It was a really kind of uh, I love the scene. Lo- loved how it played off because we had seen some of this in trailers, right? So yeah. to finally get it, it was like ah, here we go. And and to have and to have even I felt less answers. I love that sometimes. I do love big mysteries driving uh, the, certain elements of the plot forward and. And it shouldn't be everything. I'm not a big fan of, of every mystery box that's out there. But this is kind of funny. And I felt out of this episode. Yeah, you're, I had been saying 100% no Sauron. I don't know, maybe 99% no Sauron. I don't know. But I, I just felt now I have uh, more questions. And that's always fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great element just to visually tell us that there is something larger that, you know, if you're if you're a fan and you're digging into it, I think that scene is to tell you keep digging. We want that sort of fun engagement we want to to drive things into a mysterious place which is very modern um you know star wars has added more mystery in its modern era so like why shouldn't lord of the Rings, star trek has as well um why not um yeah. try to keep you guys going especially because we're in the world of like and this is the real world conversation we're in the keep you watching era yeah uh, we have to be and so that's that's a good way to do it but it's also elegant and it doesn't feel i never feel like it's like a tune in next time like yeah. it just never has that energy no and, and again it's how you use it i said i don't love every mystery box idea but because speculate oh, that but that's not that it doesn't even have to do with the properties or the mystery boxes it's sometimes the reaction of it that's just a personal thing where i felt speculation replaced actually watching the shows and understanding the mm-hmm. shows but to each their own um, but with this one, again, it's how you use it. So the mystery of the stranger is, is pretty fun on its own 
But it's so tied into the theme this week where you're not just asking who's that. You're asking, is that person good? And that's what's at play and that's what's at stake. So it has a little bit extra oomph and power to me. Yeah. And and when you put it through the lens of Nori, it becomes this like you're hoping that this is not naivete. Yeah. But but that she is onto something. Because you you don't want her heart to break or yours to break for her as yeah. a viewer if you're endeared to her because her belief is palpable and 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 if that becomes a cynical sort of fall for her that will be really really heartbreaking and yeah. you know and does and does that play into like sort of the community that they have is there going to be a moment where i'm joking now but like is sadak burrow is going to be like you know i once met a stranger and let me tell you why we don't like strangers <laughs> like so who knows who knows we, what it we, could be yeah. but we do not wait for them we do not wait for them. no yeah not in the not in the book there yeah the, look there's actually something it's it's uh it does drive my thoughts on on the stranger and why I'm, i think i i am leaning towards whoever they are to be on the good team so to speak is it's because of nori poppy as well i want to uh, uh, was making richard's place poppy so wonderfully uh but yeah that that uh nori that speech where she's like uh, yeah i know i'm not special but i think he is and i think this is what connected and, and just you just want to be like no but you're special too and i want that to pay off uh that's not always how life works out so we'll see but i think uh you touched on something there that's pretty true yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings and so many of our great stories are not just about the people that are good. They're about the people that facilitate people that are good. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're, maybe you're not the hero, but you're the person that helps the hero. Yeah. And like why Samwise Gamgee is an iconic pop cultural beloved role is because yeah. it's he quite literally carried the hero. Yeah. That, the hero. And he and in that you become your own. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is which is. Absolutely. They're arguably one of the greatest themes that Lord of the Rings ever put forward. <laughs> I almost want to lean into the camera and go, share the load. Share the load. Um, potatoes. Potatoes. I ain't dropping no eaves, sir. Uh, before we get out of here, we're, we're almost wrapping up the show, but we're not going to leave this stuff off the table. And quite literally, the table, though, is at the center of the piece of conversation. Let's go to Linden. Let's go hang out with everyone over there. We got a lot. Uh, Alden, this, uh, this is, I'm saying we're about to wrap up the show. We could be here for a few minutes. So much going on there. And this is maybe where some people might run up against not just the lore, but how certain characters are being presented versus what you knew or what you know yeah. or what you thought, you know. And I understand that. I completely understand that. I always just say, hey, you're getting more information. You're getting additional information. Or this show, beyond the legalities of what they actually can say or do, this show is trying to do it its own thing and has this uh, toolbox of, of characters to, to use. So a lot going on here. We got Gilgalad, the High King. You know, I'm with you. Sometimes I don't like him. Sometimes I think he's making great points. Celebrimbor, unfortunately, you know, a lot of us know maybe some of the things he does, but we got to try to put that aside when analyzing these episodes and take what's given. And what's given is someone that I just don't trust, though I respect. Yeah, Yeah, man, I just, Celebrimbor, you did that stuff last time with the whole... I just remembered something about your father because mm-hmm. you kind of looked like him, but it's yeah. also going to be very relevant to me nudging you into it's like yeah. you can, you can apologize to Elrond for your part in the manipulation, mm-hmm. but you are the manipulator. Like yeah. you could have also stood up to Gilgalad if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Oh, but the King forbade me. So I had to manipulate you. Well, um, yeah. Sorry. He takes, he takes that. I wanted to tell you, I, yeah. I'm clean. I'm clean. And then when he describes everything, Gilgalad, I'll say this. If we can get into details, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit, but we go into no, the story of, of of the mithril and the tree and, and, and the wonderful 
light and the dark infused into it. We see the Balrog that a lot of people are like, well, we're absolutely going to see one. Well, here's not, maybe not necessarily the trailer shot, but we absolutely see one here. Uh, so maybe the, they don't use it like we think in the show, or at least this season. Um, but all that stuff, I want to get your takes on it. When you're listening to Gilgalad, kind of what we're saying uh, with Halbrand, Halbrand earlier of like, I, in that moment, whether I'm wrong, we'll find out. But I believed him. I, I, want, I begged you to leave me alone. I, Gilgalad, he got some issues. He's got some a little pompous at times for me, a little self-righteous. I know, I know. But then I believe him where he's like, no, this could save us. Take that, put it with uh, Keller Brimbor, who's kind of like obsessed. He's a little bit my precious scene already to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the two interplays there. It's a textbook example of you can be right and then utterly be wrong through mm-hmm. your approach. Because Elrond, despite being the younger um, not young by anyone's standards, but young by theirs, yeah. uh, has the approach of actual unity, of actual honesty. Because it's like, Gilgalad, if what you're saying is of the importance to which you are describing, why not at this dinner say, I have to level with you? Yeah. We will die. Like a, yes. a plea that clearly works because Durin is a good person, but he mm. is conflating righteousness and need and despair and our doom with prejudice is really what it is you you are so stuck in this that you will take a harder more deceitful path toward something that is entirely reasonable because yeah duran has fun poking elrond because he's his friend but he immediately takes that seriously Mm -hmm. the entire elven race is in my hands whose hands like he has fun with that yeah but he's a he's a father. He's a, he's also trying to do things right. He's a friend and you look down on him and you would rather con him mm-hmm. into survival right. than work towards survival. Yeah. Uh, prejudice is a, is a very wonderful, strong word to use that I think is appropriate here from Google add to him, but also this idea of you just not trusting the dwarves enough, right? You know, mm-hmm. or King Durin or Prince Durin, you're not trusting them enough to be like, you know, Exactly what Elrond's doing. I've I've almost accidentally quoted him. Like, yeah, it's in your hands. Gilgalad can't. He cannot trust them. And maybe there's reasons for it. There's some break going on. They're not as. They're not all as copacetic as he used to be. We get that, and we know where maybe this ends up. But I, I just analyzing it for this episode of what's right in front of us. Yeah, that yeah. was the big difference because in an episode that's asking what is good, it ends with at least for now. We know the dwarves dig too deep, but uh, it ends with uh, Durin kind of answering the question. Elrond too, but Durin's good. Durin's good. Yeah, he's a good guy. He he immediately understood. Like, what he is hearing there is, hey, man, I was an unknowing pawn and really manipulating you and your entire people, and I am running risk now of being Oathbreaker, and I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to break an oath. I'm going to tell you yeah. what I'm going through. And Durin, you know, these are two, the part of their chemistry is these performers and, and the writing, but it's just like the honesty between them is so fresh to see uh, especially between like men that are leaders and fiction, like you yeah. know, that's not something that you get a lot. There's usually a lot of clashing. Uh, I think a, a lesser version of this scene could have ended in a blowout. Yeah, uh, but it's like no, I, 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 of course, I empathize with that because we too, our entire thing has been about the advancement of the people. You just helped me reconcile with my father in the previous episode, mm-hmm. so of course I understand. Like, I think Duran is because of the reconciliation with Duran the Third and the. You know, my son will always be with you. Sometimes, most of all, in anger. Like, yeah. that beautiful scene endeared Duran, I think, to the idea of 
uh, we really all do answer to someone and it's not hard, but Elrond gave me the push and now I've dealt with his boss yeah. and you know, Elrond's father is gone. Literally. He's a star literally. Yeah. Yeah. So like, this is, this is the, this is the father Elrond deals with yeah. in practice. Um, and to see, yeah. But then, mm. then mm. Gilgalad also is pretty spot on with everything he says about teaching Elrond a life lesson that is yeah. connected, but also in general. Let's let's really get into that. Um, Because I put down Gilgalab might have been lined to Elrond, but what is the the greater good here at play? And I think we already touched on some of this over the Gilgalad. I just didn't trust the dwarves. There's some things he's done wrong, Um, but maybe done wrong for the greater good, whereas uh, maybe Kilobrimbor is doing stuff for something else. I don't know. We'll put him on the shelf. Um, anyways, I love it. And I will just get to that quote here. Uh, actually in a wonderful story. Again, I know, I know, is, is this the origin people had for, for myth reels that it play on is different. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you this. I absolutely love it for the show. I love the I show it. because at the myth reel, uh, it's reflect, it's dark, but reflecting light. It's the themes here, man. That tree is infused with both light and darkness. And therefore, so is this, um, this ore that they're they're battling over uh, essentially. So I love that, uh, and this uh, all leads to this wonderful quote, and we can dive into it all. Then hope is never mere, because Elrond has said uh, mere hope. Uh, hope is never mere, Elrond, even when it is meager. When all under other senses sleep, the eye of hope is first awake and last to shut. Real powerful stuff. He does go on to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about the exact cause, but um, you know, and, he, and it all leads to this: if the elves leave now, it will be the end of all people. And well, we know this to be true. We know this, uh, it's not just about knowing what happens. It's the choice here right now that's being, Elrond doesn't, Elrond hasn't read the books. He hasn't seen the movies. We know, we have the benefit of knowing, but all leads to this moment. Gilgalad's not lying. No, he's not. And he, and again, he can, he he can be a little bit, you know, because also there's that tag of, it'll be the end of all people. So if you don't do this, find a new one. Like, yeah, yeah. obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he throws in that, find a new one or or get a new whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, essentially saying look i've laid it all out to you now it's time to like put up or shut up and you can betray your own like so he's still he's still twisting a little bit yeah but the ethos of that the core the actual idea of hope you know the the eye of hope being the first open last to shut is beautiful and i love that line because he is right about that Mm -hmm. that if we throw our hands up um then you know we've seen we saw what happened with Finrod and everyone in the first stage and that whole war and the prologue. So yeah. we understand that he has firsthand experience as do many of them with what could happen. Um, we know that he's had this paranoia lingering in him. So it's a, it's a really important thing to impart in someone like Elrond who will lead mm-hmm. who right now is, as we know, not getting into invited into the elf Lord meetings. Yeah. He's a speech writer still, he's a diplomat, but he's, he's being groomed for leadership. And this was a, Maybe maybe not through the best person to deliver the theme, but yeah. was was right. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. In terms of like lessons on leadership, yeah, this is uh, this is important. I think of just uh, you know, I guess tying it a little bit to House of the Dragon of some of the stuff for those that aren't watching the show, you might not get the full reference. But it's like King Viserys. Not only is he you know trying to be a king, struggling to be a king, but he also has a bit of information. Uh, prophecy, but a bit of information that makes it all a little bit more tougher of here's what's really at stake. Gilgalad is that right now to me. He's the high king who's like, look, 
I know. I get it. I'm the boss. You don't like me when I walk into the break room, but I under, maybe understand a little bit de- uh, more of what's going on there. I, I, it's it's not. I don't want to uh, connect um, Gilgalad directly to Farazan, but that quote from Farazan of sometimes the folly of youth is enough to make an old man weep. As an old man here in this situation, I really get that. Whether or not you know you follow it out, and the intentions might be good or bad. Anyways, tying it back to Gilgalad, it's it's a powerful moment for Elrond, which all leads to this big thing of of. It does a story from Celebrimbor again, but your father said he was the only one that could do it. And I think a lot of the characters in this uh, show, in this episode, are the only ones that can do it for their world yeah. and their story. Yeah, and and the lingering of the past on a macro mm. level of like, we fought this enemy before and if we leave, it'll win. But yeah. then that drills it all the way down to the personal level with Elrond. Of, and also much like the orcs, much like Durin, much like a lot of these people, Galadriel's house has fallen, like much like a lot of people. Yeah. Your family's example or lack thereof or deeds or not great deeds. It, it's all there for everyone. And Elrond is now having to reconcile with like, well, it's a, it's an unequivocal fact that what my dad did turned the tide. Mm. Is this my moment to turn the tide? But I'm not even sure when the tide's coming, what's going on. I mean, there's the deadline of spring. Yeah. But that hasn't been like, that's also being said by Kelebrim for who, yeah, yeah. who's very clearly has said, I want to move beyond works of petty jewel craft. Yeah. It's like the, the Kelebrim side hustle is <laughs> conflating yeah. with what G- Gilglad is saying. That's, but that's, that's an excellent point. Uh, we're, we're having fun with a little bit as we always uh, do and, and should, but the, you know, Gilgalad's like, we might die. Kelly Brimmore's like, I got a, I got a deadline at my work. You mind picking that stuff up? <laughs> like, yeah, we got to do Kelly Brimmore basically gets to leech onto Gilgalad's fear yeah. in a certain way. And it's like, like, you're not, like, we're joking, but we're not like, it's like, we might die. And Kelly Brimmore's like, by spring. Yeah. And they're like, hey, yeah. you know, it's by spring. I just got a feeling. I don't know. Well, I just, <laughs> I just need a, I need to check my watch here. I need a, I need a load of mithril or uh, for something, for something. Yeah. For the people, for the people, for the people, for the cause, right? Yeah. For the cause. Yeah. And uh, yes, we're joking. Lord details aside. Uh, I just really thought it was effective. I thought this stuff, the stuff in Linden was, was uh, my favorite stuff of this episode. And I really love the Harfoot stuff too. in that opening scene, but uh, good, and I really truly could take an entire episode of Elrond and, and, and Durin, uh the fourth talking, just talking, just just hashing it out, joking, stealing tables. Great moment. I, I fell for it too. I was like, damn, what did Gilgal? What did they do? What did they dug deep yeah. into that IKEA and in uh, Linden and pulled this out? And and when when it's revealed to be a to be a a, a, a little bit of a of a joke uh, or, or a trick from Durin, I really love that moment. Just love him. He's he's, he's my favorite so far of the show. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 right there for me as well. That that trio and those characters and mm-hmm. seeing and again, it's played, it's played in a way that because sometimes when you do like those fake outs, like you can almost then revisit it and lose some heart in the scene. And this is not one of those times. Yeah, yeah. Um, even on a rewatch, knowing that he's conning Gilgalad yeah. out of his out of his dining room table, <laughs> uh, it, you still know that it's coming from the place of you don't respect me. Yeah, you don't exactly, and and you've conned me, man. We're here because you conned me. We're here. I I gotta ask you the same question. Uh, I should not yep. do my Duran voice, but I love it. Can't uh, wait for him to show up to his dad and be like, "Dad, I found out what's going on, and I got the table, and I got a nice table." Deuce is happy there. Uh, anything uh, left on the table you want to discuss before we start getting on out of here? All big stuff, I'm sure. Um, no, I, I think we've covered pretty much everything big. The only thing I would say is that you know to tie it all the way back to the beginning. 
close our little loop here. We talked about, is this repeating beats? You could make an argument for that for sure. And do I understand that? Absolutely. But what I love throughout is that it with the, with the full context now as a, as a two part we're leaving, uh, it becomes a, it, it sort of almost does a thing that fantasy hasn't really done much of, which like Game of Thrones does it a lot. In Game of Thrones, it takes a while to develop the force uh, to do yeah. a battle. Everyone's got to say yes or no. It's a whole thing, but that's a, its own sort of beast. But you refuse the call. Exactly. I saw, I saw a Leanna, a Leanna Mormont tweet I really liked earlier today. So it's good. Yeah. Who wonder who did that? Must be great. Give him a follow. <laughs> um, but the, the whole idea of uh, we said that and everybody raised their hands to serve. And then we actually dealt with the blowback of them doing that mm. um, causes a little bit of that repetition. But it, it then earns through its willingness to revisit a little bit, but also flush out moments like training uh, of whoever can take, you know, can cut her flesh, gets the lieutenant rank, mm-hmm. uh, lieutenant, Luf-ten- as I think Luf- lieutenant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lieutenant, yeah. And then that whole element of, of of seeing them finally realize, like, maybe Shane's so bad. That was kind of fun. Uh, and yeah. how that builds all the way up to the end, yeah. where Bear McCreary is, like, going to the, the church of Howard Shore with that <laughs> Numenor theme. But yeah. the, it's this enhanced uh, version of it, this new, this new interpretation of forward momentum. And then it's, like, I just love the directing here, the way that it, yeah. it and the editing choices of, the Halbrand thing, which I've talked about, little fake out. Then him in his armor. Then Muriel. Then Ellen Deal with an all-time fantasy helmet. Yeah. And then, and then, and then Galadriel shows up. Oh. And does the last one. And the way that everybody has gone from fear to awe. Mm-hmm. And from fear to respect. And to really understanding, like, unlike Farazan, who's like, hell no, will I answer to them. Yeah. Ellen Deal's like, hell yes, she earned our respect. Yeah. Great way to look at it and great way to take it home. Yeah. You know, slight repeated beats. I just mean I was ready for um, the next step and ready to get off the island to go to big fight. Whether the fight is right or wrong, we'll find out. And I was happy to wait a week because it led to a bigger send off. It was a wonderful send off. We talk about being Lord of the Ringsy. This was Lord of the Ringsy. You're right to shout out uh, Bear with the Music. Wonderful stuff. Armor, you know, there's some all-time fantasy armor in this uh, episode. Love it. Love everything about it. So powerful ending, and we are ready for next week. Maybe a fight at a tower. I know we're not necessarily getting the big final fight of this season. We're going to get some more answers. After this, what, only three episodes left? That's that's tough to believe, Alden. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I respect it. I get that it's so much to make that that's become a, a norm. Mandalorian does eight. Yeah. I get it. Book of Boba Fett was even less at seven. All the Marvels for the most part have been six, except yeah. a couple exceptions. So I should be used to it by now, but that, that I wish there was more is a good thing. So yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, leave them wanting more. I can tell you as a stand-up comic, hit that light, get off the stage. So there's no doubt that you were funny in anyone's mind. All right. We are out of here today. A lot of fun. Uh, Rachel uh, should be back next week. And also I don't want to commit them too much, but I think I think Alex and Molly Damon are going to be able to join us next week. We'll have a big panel. Alden, we have a lot of people talk about some of the big stuff coming down the pipeline. Should be a lot of fun. They don't just explain Star Wars. They love 
Lord of the Rings as well. So stay tuned for that. We got our House of the Dragon episode six breakdown and discussion will be coming your way later this weekend. A lot of stuff. Thank you for subscribing to the channel. If you watch on YouTube or you listen to the podcast or may, hey, hopefully you do both. Maybe you watch us and then you take it all in again on the podcast side. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast spots. Follow us on Twitter at Casterly Talk. Follow me at Cadnapstock or go to my website, cadnapstock.com. Speaking of stand-up comedy, uh, we got what I'm uh, I'm uh, uh, calling the fall crawl. Uh, Mark Ellis is uh, headlining in a lot of places as he heads towards his uh, uh, big event. Uh, some stuff coming up later in this year that he's going to announce soon. So I don't want to step on all of that, but a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing some comedy in New York City on October 6th and 7th. A little bit later in the month in uh, San Diego area and Seattle as well. So go to my website for more information. Tickets on that. Alden, uh, you had the big uh, interview with Ryan Johnson. Uh, you also, Mercedes Renata, you've, you've been hitting some home runs. Uh, you know, what's next? What's the big surprise you're pulling out? Tell us now. Well, you see, George Lucas, and I, no, not George Lucas, <laughs> although maybe one day, who knows? Uh, maybe I, I can I can go to the ranch and offer him some borrows. And there you go. Down. There you uh, go. But yeah, Ryan Johnson and Mercedes were both the last guests on Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's on all your platforms. It's all the Star Wars coverage that I do heading into Andor mode this weekend. Um, and, you know, obviously to keep it evergreen. We have Andor discussions uh, that you can check out there. I uh, recently published my first piece on StarTrek.com, and so I'm doing a little bit of catch-up there as well with a different series. So Star Trek, got it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Look it up after. It's, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's pretty prolific. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so StarTrek.com, I had my first essay there about Strange New Worlds, and I'm hoping to do some more with them. They've been wonderful. they like truly some of the best people um, that I've worked with in terms of just, like, I have an idea, and then being like, yes. like So that's, you know, always a good feeling. Love that. Um, and yeah, and then follow me on Twitter, Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. Find out what else I might be doing and what else I might be up to. And then find me here lobbying for Willow. Lobbying for Willow. And you're not alone. We got some Eric Monroe, a lot of people lobbying, lobbying to have us cover Willow. And you know what? It, it definitely falls into a suit. I'm just reviewing three shows at once right now and or rings of power house dragon taking a little bit of my life energy that's my hesitance that you're picking up on but at the end of the day hope wins out so uh when when the thanksgiving dinners are over (laughs) and these shows are also over then we'll have a decision (laughs) there you go there you go all right everybody we are out of here for this week thank you for listening to casterly talk which doesn't just mean game of thrones it also means lord of the rings now thanks for watching and listening bye